There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but only one thing to say that can help you protect them. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, a State Farm agent will be there to help you choose the coverage you need, no matter where you are in life. When you need coverage options, your State Farm agent is there to help, on the phone or in person. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash Wondery. Code Wondery. Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 829. Katie Levine. Yes. So I got a couple things for the... Um for the cork board. It's all business with you. I just want to know how things are going. Oh, things are great. Okay, good. Things now are do the great. Cork board. Okay. Um, first of all, an artist in LA, Brandon Bird, has a new idea for a project where he will turn a sedan into a memorial for Jerry Orbach. Oh my God, that's amazing! Isn't that great? You know how you always see the cars, especially in LA, so that timely are just, like, memorialized? too. Memorialized, <laughs> dude. Everyone loves Jerry Orbach. Listen, I fucking love. I love Orbach. How I'm, can you not love Lenny Briscoe? Come on. He is spectacular right? oh and crimes and misdemeanors he was fucking flawless and he was the voice of uh oh i forgot the name but in beauty and the beast right which uh, i found lumiere. out as an adult he and was i was the voice like, of lumiere and i was like Holy wasn't he the shit. voice of lumiere yeah yeah and he sang and he was girl oh, i just love him yeah jerry rock's fucking but, awesome so he wants to turn the sedan and he wants to get it all i'm on board and he wants to look great how much does he want to raise for that so he well um he needs to raise let's see $22,000. He started a Kickstarter for it. There's 14 more days to go. If you just go to kickstarter.com and you search Jerry Orbach, you'll find it. You'll have to sift through all the other Jerry Orbach (laughs) Kickstarters. But I just, I love this idea and I really want it to happen. I really want it to happen. Um, also, I want to promote the Best Friends Strut Your Mutt event, and we have a team, Nerdist. Great. And you guys can still sign up to be on the team. You can sign up to be on the team, and you don't even have to show up. You don't have to have a dog. You can just come there and pet dogs, or you can just donate to the team. But also, someone sent in this. It's a New, New Jersey's only zombie dog walk returns for its fourth year on October 22nd, the same day as Strut Your Mutt. Uh, to help raise money for local New Jersey animal shelters. It, it sounds like a really great time. They're going to have live music, food, a blood drive, animal adoptions, costume contests, Halloween pet photos, and the zombie dog walk. If you go to dogwalkofthedead.com, you can find out more info. That's great. I think they also could have called it, hey, I'm walking here. Oh, and then for uh, Strut Your Mutt, go to nerdi.st slash Strut Your Mutt team. Excellent. Thank you so much for that. Thank you for that, and thank you for doing that, Katie. I, uh, I want people episode, to sign up. I know. This episode is Sarah Jessica Parker. Uh, who was? Oh, she was great. She was so great. Oh my god! You know she dresses so nice, and I felt like the worst slob in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Really Me too. But she's just there's. She just has such a great vibe about her. Yeah. I did not know what to expect at all because I've ne- I haven't really seen her in interviews a lot. She's and I've so down n- to never earth. met her, and she was such a. 
just such a just such a regular just a regular person which yeah. i know sounds weird and i don't mean that to sound as condescending as it sounds but i just didn't i just didn't know no it's a compliment she was just cool she was yeah chill. she was cool as shit uh she's promoting divorce which is premiering not the concept of divorce the show divorce <laughs> <laughs> she's telling people to get divorced <laughs> enough already all right we got it you were married you're done uh that's premiering on hbo sunday october 9th at 10 p.m and it's also on hbo go and hbo now uh, Sarah Jessica Parker, thank you for being on the Nerdist Podcast. Here's the Nerdist Podcast, episode number 829, with Sarah Jessica Parker, Katie Levine. Please roll the thing. Now entering Nerdist.com. How's it going? Uh, it's going well. <laughs> this has already started, by yeah, the way. Yeah, no, I assumed as much. Yeah, I didn't want to. Sometimes I, there's usually, there's sort of a running joke with people who listen where they're like, at what point is the person going to go, did we start yet? <laughs> but I feel like sometimes maybe you should let people know just so that you yeah, know no, that, no, no, you no, know, no. Yes, no. it is starting. I'm comfortable even if, it, Good. if had you not shared that with me. Why only do it because, I mean, I only kind of just ease into it because I think people are so used to do this isn't really like a press junket and people are so used to doing radio interviews and stuff right. where you just automatically your defenses go up because you're like is someone gonna fuck with me now right, or right, what's happening right. are there inside <laughs> right. jokes that i don't get right. or you know right but um this is not a this is not a british gotcha type of program right. it's just a loose <laughs> conversation okay so, have you done a podcast before Yes, I have. You have. Yes, I have. What'd I mean, do? oh, you mean I, yeah. I've, I've been a visitor. You've been I've been a, visitor. a guest. I've yeah. not ever conducted my own. No, 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 no. You don't want. I know it's a, n- a new institution, but you don't want me dabbling. I feel as like, a as a as a person who sits where you sit. I feel like people would. You no, must no, have no, amazing no, no, stories. No, 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 no. You've been, you, you, you've been in the theater. You've I, been in film. You've been in television. Well, I might have stories, but I shouldn't. I, I, oh, you shouldn't I, tell them. I, no, 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 no. I mean, I mean, I shouldn't be. Um, I I I I don't know that I'm I I don't know that I could want to could want to do that yeah what you're doing oh sure meaning, sure, sure I mean sure. I love conversations I love conversations oh that's great no I and I I grew up primarily only listening to radio only listening to conversations we didn't have a television we weren't allowed to have a television oh. so I grew up listening to NPR since literally since it was a small station. Like whatever our small NPR station was in Ohio, in southeastern Ohio. And we, if we didn't listen to the radio, we had to listen to records. So when I'm telling you I am a person who's been raised on conversation and I, it's my first, it's like, it's the reason I love books is because Mm -hmm. it's the most interesting thing. So the world of podcasts should be very appealing to me, but I also think that it's so, I think it has to become second nature to be the person that, do you pull it down? Do you pull it up? If sure. I'm a listener, what am I doing? Pulling down or pulling up? Right. What? Which one? I. It's so a, if I'm a listener and I want to go to your show, yeah. I go to my thing, and do I pull it down or do I pull it up? You'd pull it up. Okay, thank you. My You'd son's p- always correcting me. <laughs> um, but meaning, I guess I think that I, w- I am the perfect person to integrate podcasts into my life. Of course. I just haven't made the transition from relying upon my local NPR station right. to moving to curating my own of course does that make sense absolutely makes sense it did, was your 
was your parents' reasoning, was it an artistic reason? Like, television's junk, or were they like, it's satanic, or what was their, <laughs> yeah. what was their reasoning? Um, it wasn't because of any religious or moral uh, principled position. It was, well, early it was just we couldn't afford a television. Sure. And, um, and, uh, and, and ultimately, they did think that there was things on television that weren't great like they were they didn't they were you know and by the time we got one i think we had entered the age of although norman lear was busy producing um you know the things that were great that i would try to get invited to my friend's house so that i could see you know mary tyler moore bob newhart right. carol burnett uh sunny and Cher. Mm-hmm. um we were allowed to watch you know um, Masterpiece Theater. We were allowed to wath <laughs> I Claudius, which I think is like kids love hilarious. Who doesn't love? And I would be like, Mama, why is his mom? <laughs> why does his mom like him so much? It um, feels like, they, yeah, I feel like maybe it seems like there's. Uh, are they dating? How come you dating? never touch me like That's that? So <laughs> oh, he's dating his mom. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, this is way better than other television. So we were allowed to watch I Claudius. <laughs> And the Olympics. <laughs> and Sonny and Cher. And, yeah. And 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 if I had told my mother that that I had seen the Mary Tyler Moore show or Bob Newhart, she would not have been outraged. But she felt like radio offered so much. And records, you know, we, I mean, just, we just loved them. Like Stan Freeberg and, you know, sure. Nichols and May and... Um, all those early Bill Cosby records and Bob Newhart and like that was a huge thing for us to and then Saturday Night Live came on and my brothers were allowed to watch that oh interesting yeah. that is the at that time that was the polar opposite of that was a complete punk movie but that so was good smart television yeah. so my mom was like of course they can see that oh that's really cool do you know what I mean I absolutely do because I think but I think some parents would have said like no mm. you know there's all sorts of off you know, it's, it's like. But we were watching I Claudius. That's true. So that's true. You have to like yeah, remember to the environment. The kid, you know, it's like, is this really that yeah. much worse? And we were allowed to listen to like, you know, Nichols and May and Stan Freeberg. Like, none of that was considered like, uh, yeah, like <gasps> children's entertainment. Oh, I, oh, look, oh, isn't she look gorgeous? I was interrupted. Amazing, you're not, not at all, you not look at all. So pretty, Ina. What's going on, Ina? Oh, God, her How skin is so perfect, isn't it? It's not the first time I've joined the podcast. Uh, Ina, your skin looks amazing. Ina's going to become. Look, Chris. You look fantastic, and I feel like Ina's going to become like a recurring co-host <laughs> interrupter of, of the show, a recurring co-host of the show. Because uh, when Schwimmer was on, yeah. it, it came up that they had been friends in high, high school. school. Yeah, oh, grade, school. grade school. Wow! And then it all just sort of wow. it all just sort of came back around. So uh, she is known to the listener already, you know. We That's kind of nice. Well, maybe she should do. Maybe she should be a featured. I mean, maybe you should. Oh my god! Actually, if, talk I'm to her. You, if Ina ever didn't care about her career anymore, she should do a podcast <laughs> and just tell stories about people. No, but, but wait, when you say do a podcast, do you mean she should have her own, or do you mean she should come here and you can be? I mean, she should do her, her. own. You, there's no way she doesn't have. A year's oh. worth of amazing stories. Sure, but, what but about, she just why couldn't. doesn't she just do yours? I mean, she, why doesn't she sit where I'm sitting? You absolutely do, could. I could be what's the Kimmel co-host with the sidekick. What Guillermo? Guillermo. Guillermo. Yeah, Guillermo. you could be Guillermo. <laughs> you just stand by the podcast door, and I'll just throw it. Stand by the podcast it. door. This is our podcast door. I think it's great that your parents had such a like. They really were trying to create a 
holistic entertainment experience and that it wasn't yeah. just because you know a lot a lot of parents even I don't think anyone does that anymore but even going up into the 90s a lot of parents were like no TV yeah TV's TV was bad the enemy. and TV's bad and now I just feel like Oh, well. TV's like an innocent bystander now. Yeah, exactly. The TV's internet. like now. I I don't know how, how about how bad do I look now? Right? Yeah. Like, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the internet is just an orgy of debauchery that yeah. makes television look. And my, and my children don't watch television, but at be, all. Oh, because they don't. Not because we have the same rule in our home. Right. In fact, we don't, um, which is interesting too. Like the deprivation, like the. You know, like when my mom would leave the house when we were little, we would all turn the tele. We would all like run to the TV and like turn turn it on and gather around and try to watch the things we'd heard about at school or in the hallways. You know, the Partridge Family or something something that was that was mass that was like people. You know, right. our version of like water cooler conversation, and then you know we'd hear the drive. We'd hear the car and then we'd like turn it off and like run up to our bedrooms and my mom would come in and she'd put her hand on the TV and there'd be like flames shooting out of it, it was so hot I'd be like <laughs> Paper Jeffy Rachel Sarah I'd be like what 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 I just go yeah she'd be like well, what are you watching who were you watching you know were your parents cool then when you started working in television sort of I mean my mother didn't really want me to but she liked Square Pegs. She thought Square Pegs was smart, really I smart. Pegs. And Ann Beats, you know, was, you know, her kind of, um, her, what do you call it? And her, like, pedigree, her, you know, provenance from SNL was, like, very appealing to my mom. So that was okay. But she just assumed, like, it was, like, a, like a moment, you know, like an event, like a thing I would dip into and, and then I would go back to working in the theater and or, or anything. Or I would do a movie and then I would do a, you know, a play and then I would do a TV thing. Which and, is what happened. Right. And as long as I think she was just concerned, like, I would maybe settle there. And, like, that would be – and for, for her, she just wasn't entirely convinced that that would be the best – most interesting experience for me but also at the time I think she was very concerned because when we were out here for Square Pegs there were a lot of kids that were working on television and when we came upon them she was concerned well they probably were not in the best shape yeah they she felt like they were that there was a kind of emphasis about them like maybe that their value was like that it was all wrapped up in that and that there was a a lifestyle that surrounded it that she smartly I'm grateful for was like I I she saw warning signs like she was like that can't be good right you know you should still be required to like load the dishwasher <laughs> and babysit your brother and you know like your what she wanted I think was like a full life right so she saw like cautionary tales that that I think legitimately concerned her, and um, so I think that's also why she was concerned about me working in television, where there'd be like a huge amount of money, and then you would be you would like have a currency, and then you would grow out of it. What happened when you weren't a cute thing, and then you were this other thing? Maybe it wasn't cute, you know. What would become of you? Yeah, that's very insightful, actually, from a lady from Ohio. Coming in and yeah. just sort of seeing all this and being able to 
see the matrix code behind the entertainment business. But yeah. that, I, I still remember. I rem, I feel like I remember chunks of the Square Peg theme song. Still, because I was yes. exactly the right. That was coming out of your um, post Fast Times era, where it's like, oh, okay, yeah. So like the. Let's tell the stories of the kids who don't fit in. Right. And that was my group. Right. And I, so I completely... Always the most interesting kids. Ab- of way, course. You know, yeah. Yeah, I, it was uh, square peg, square peg, square, square. Uh, I'm never uh, quite right, something like that, That's right? exactly what I remember. No, it's never no, quite, not quite right. right. Square peg, square peg, square peg. I don't want to wear my glasses. I have to wear my glasses. Square peg, square peg. <laughs> it was the waitresses. That was the waitresses. That was the waitresses. I'm I just remembering. And didn't we have Devo like, on our show? I think we had yes, Devo did, on our show. Yes, you did. Because I'll tell you, I remember this. The guy, I wish I could remember his name, but the guy with the blonde rat tail. Um, Merritt Buttrick, who's passed away. Merritt Buttrick, he played Johnny Slash. Yes. Johnny Splash? No, Johnny Slash. He, Splash? It would be Slash. That was Splash, a, that was the right? episode because I remember him specifically saying Devo was his ninth favorite band. Yeah, it was like Devo, they're my ninth favorite band. <laughs> yeah. like, that was such a specific joke. <laughs> yeah, and then Devo was on Devo was on right. the episode and having Devo. I think it. Wait, I'm gonna. I'm, this is, I'm sure this is all wrong, but you're reminding me. I believe was it possible that it was Muffy Tepperman's bat mitzvah. Party. <laughs> I believe Muffy Tefferman. I feel like that's very likely. Played by Jamie Gertz. So beautifully right. played, humorously, amusingly played by Jamie Gertz. I believe. Is it pot? What, that would make her so young and we were so old. Oh, did she have a late bot mitzvah? Maybe something happened and I don't know. There was, I'm sure there was a. A perfectly fine reason that Devo was, <laughs> was just appearing on <laughs> yeah. the show, but that was a very progressive yeah, that move was a really for show. for a, a sitcom, like for a network sitcom, particularly at that time, mm. to say like, "Hey, let's tell the story of the unpopular kids," yeah. and then we're going to have this like alternative band Devo <laughs> yeah. on. Like that was kind of a big deal. Yeah, it, well, it was Ann Beats. You know, she had such a her 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 worldview is so. Unique and um, and so that the show was just I think the world through her eyes you know yeah. it was everything she felt and experienced and everything she didn't get to say and everything she loved you know musically and artistically and even the sort of that chilly kind of humor that kind of I mean it was so of its moment I mean it's very of the decade right. you know um, but she had such a special kind of surprisingly vulnerable voice too I was bummed when that show went away because I really liked it yeah it was really good but there were I think it turns out I think there was too much activity on the set that was unrelated to producing a show there was it was just (laughs) that's what I understood later there were all sorts of allegations about behavior unprofessional behavior maybe maybe there was maybe there were things People included in their, you know, bodies. just things that my know. just thing that my young teenage mind just didn't understood. It didn't have the information to know. It was like, why are they ruining my life by taking away a show? I, I like. know. Yeah. Did your mom have a good? Well, sweetie, this business is mercurial, and you have. I uh, know she was fine about it. Yeah. I mean, actually, and I went from doing that. I went to do. Um, I went to do Footloose, and while I was doing Footloose, uh, in. Utah. I became a what we called a major on on the set of Square Pegs. I went from seventeen to eighteen, so they they burned my my working papers <laughs> as a celebration on the set, and then they put all the ashes in a Coke bottle. Oh, that's sweet. Oh, you mean like cocaine. a cocaine bottle? Oh, yeah. 
Well, it was the 80s. Yeah. Yeah. And then framed it and gave it to me as my birthday gift. And um, so when I went off to do Footloose, I was by myself and I was like a young adult, like as I had always been in New York on my own because we didn't have child labor laws then. The labor laws only existed in California. So anyway, so I went off to do Footloose. And while I was doing Footloose, I got word that Square Pegs had been canceled. And I was, I felt sad about it. I felt because I I thought it was good. I felt sad. And I remember Dan Melnick, um, who was the producer of Footloose, who's like a big Hollywood legendary producer. Um, he was like, no, 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 no. This is good. You don't – this is really good for you. It's okay. Uh, you – you want to do other things. Right. This is, this is like the best of the best of all possible worlds. You ha- happen. Like I mean, you, you went on to, to a do... huge movie. Footloose was epically huge. Yeah, it was a big movie. <laughs> it's kind of fun to go back and watch it now. Like, well, there's a lot of dancing in that town. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, like watching Kevin Bacon do the barn dance. Can you believe how good he is? He was great. Isn't it amazing how good he was? I think he could still do that. Yeah. I feel like... And I feel like he is the type of guy who, if someone gave him a compelling enough reason, he'd be like, "All right." And then I, I think, feel like he would do it again. Did he do it recently? Did he I do it like recently for a commercial or something? Something. He was standing next to somebody somewhere, and I think there has been a revisit. And I don't know how like how comprehensive a thing it was, but I think he's maybe. Somebody will know you with your typing fingers and you're pulling information up. Um, I want to say it's James Corden. Did he do it with Corden? You know, there was a minute. Yeah, but he, I'm sure he could. There was a minute after you told the story about uh, the celebration of turning 18 where I thought you were going to say, and I was really worried someone was going to snort my working papers. Oh. Like, <laughs> I was going to go, hey, look at all that cocaine. Yeah. No, I didn't, no, I, didn't those even, were my... I didn't know anybody was using drugs. I had no idea. That's incredible for the 80s. I had no, I, I didn't, I'm really being completely sincere, I had no idea that there were any, for years I didn't know when people were doing drugs. Yeah, I had I, no I freaking idea. I was like cleaning stuff up and I was like looking <laughs> up the ceiling, like God. All these razor blades. Who put all these? <laughs> I guess new, I guess constru- there's always like a, le- like a layer of dust after new construction. So I'd be like, oh, I've heard tell, you know. <laughs> Oh, I don't know why we would need that in this room. Let me find out who that belongs to. <laughs> Never knew. I'm like, wow, your heart is racing. Wow, you be like, up, did you sleep? I mean, like, I just did about you know twenty push-ups. I was like, oh my oh, god, don't incredible. work so hard. That's amazing. It's so late. <laughs> I feel like you're not going to be able to sleep now. <laughs> I was totally that kid in high school, too. I did not. I know. I was such a straight arrow. Idea. I just didn't know what people were doing. What are you guys doing? All crowded around the bathroom stalls. What, what's in there? Like a nudie mag? Like, yeah. I just didn't know. You know, I was just a very nudie, sheltered nudie kid. Mag. I remember one time my father brought me to a party. I was invited up. I was invited to a party in ninth grade. It was such a big deal. And um, he drove me to the party. And then when I got to the party... I saw a bunch of kids standing around a car outside the party, and they had a six-pack of beer on the um, on the hood of the car. And I was like, oh, oh, jeez, I don't think I should go to this party, Dad. And he was like, really? And I was like, I just don't think I should go to this party. And I was like, literally, we were like drove past like like a – one of those people in school, what are those, like, snitches or, like... Right. Like, you know, I, I felt like I was, like, doing, like, work for the 
local police department. Right. I like slowed down, Take turned a look. around, mm-hmm. went right. You're back. narc. You were narc. Yeah, that's yeah, what you I were was. Narc. But I went home, and my dad was like, you know, I just want you to know, if you ever want to try anything, you know, you can always do it here. Do it in the safety of our home. If you want to have a beer, have a beer here. If you want to try pot, sound really cool. Yeah, but you know what? Like then. It, they were, but they weren't. They're not cool. My parents aren't cool. And they, I mean, I'm not. This is not a disparaging. They're not cool. They're not. They're. I don't know why my dad. My stepfather was pretty young. He was younger, so I think it wasn't that far in his past that he could recall. Oh, sure. What it was. So he. Um, but then I was like, well, I, I don't want to do that. I'll just just not do it. Right. Because I don't want to do. I don't want to smoke pot with my dad. That like <laughs> for someone who just didn't ever even know what it was or like. That would be the last, like least. It's not. It's not romantic. It's not naughty. It's and not also like just watching your parents subversive. get fucked up is weird. And my mother would never. <laughs> my mother didn't even have a drink of alcohol until fairly recently, and then she discovered. She's like, "Well, I like Riesling." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Mommy, what are you? Are you? I, I couldn't believe. I said, Mommy, I, are you drinking?" She was like, "I like Riesling. I turned. I like." I was like. Oh, yeah, I was like, do you like a Gerverse to me? Like, I was like, you like an apricot flavored You should wine? say to her, it's okay to do it as long as she's in the house with you. Exactly. If you want to do it here while I'm here, that's yeah, fine. Yeah, no, we might, yeah. But no. don't. You know, I was I so, we were so excited. We, like, I don't know why, but we were so happy you know what, to though? see her drink. But look, I mean, it's not, it's probably, when you start seeing those things, like hearing that story, like, well, you know, we your mom gave you this kind of perspective and you didn't really fall into any of those traps like well of course you worked your whole life like of course you didn't burn out in the 80s like uh, unfortunately a lot of people did yeah and uh and were able to continue to to work and do other stuff because uh i mean la story is one of those movies that i i I have to watch every every so often (laughs) because the longer that i live here every time i watch it i feel like oh i just got another joke that i didn't (laughs) you know i didn't even live here when i saw the movie when i first saw it and i still loved it and now and it still holds up does it i haven't seen it since it first came out the jokes still are appropriate he's such a good writer he's such a good he he's such a keen observer you know Still, I mean, any of his writing, you know, the New York, any of that is, he's, Steve Martin's so good at observational humor and, yeah, like, I can't remember, I haven't seen it in so long, but at the time I thought, my God, this is so spot on, it's so funny. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Do you still remember the spelling of your name? Uh, Wait, yes, it's, it's, um, it's a... is it big ass little or is it little ass big A? I think it's big ass little big A. Big ass little A. Big a little D and big D little E biggie star with a little star. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think she does. This is a little thing. Yeah, like on, her, on, his hand. on his hand. Yeah, yeah. Still appropriate. <laughs> Except now um, that girl would have a, a social media account. Like it would be like yes. she would. It would be. It would yes. be all Instagram. But that type. But that. That person. That sort of blissfully unaware. Like yeah. hey, everything. You know. So, yeah, she was so um, happy. She was so content. Um, that was such a great, a great part. I mean, a perfectly written role. And I, I couldn't believe I got it. I mean, I auditioned a bunch to get it. And I think I screen tested a couple times even. And, and um, yeah, I loved, I loved doing that movie. I loved working with him. I mean, I had admired him for so long, you know, obviously from SNL, but, you know, 
all of his all of his physical comedy had always been like such a wonder to me. And when I got the part, I just went back and just looked at everything. I tried to imagine what he would want, you know, and that's why I decided to bounce all the time as Sandy because I was like, <laughs> well, you know, he all of this is on the paper, but now what am I like why how will this will be how will this be Steve Martin Sandy? Right. You know, so and then I just started bouncing and then I remember at one point the 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 director who I was I was so fond of him, Mick Jackson, he was like a real British. He'd come from like doing like really important television in London and <clears throat> long big event miniseries of like, you know, the mine workers and like really and then he, at one point he would just have a megaphone because he'd be doing big scenes and he was like and Sarah bounce <laughs> like if you like action and Sarah bounce and I'd just be like great I always, perfect I thought, I thought about that girl. A, a few years ago I, I dated someone it was the same kind of situation the, the girl was uh, slightly younger than I should have been dating and uh, and and, it, and occasionally she would say meow after things and, I, and oh in my, my head God. all I could hear was like big ass little lady me <laughs> 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 And she would say like she would just go. Oh my God, this food is so good. Meow. Not even like in a sassy way, just like in a kitty way, like meow. And I'm like, am I supposed to? But were you, were you like at first? Were you like at first? You like me, meow. Meow. Like, like, like and I kept trying back. to find that like the boundaries of it and what it meant. And one time I was like, oh, is this supposed to be a sexy thing? So I was like, oh, good kitty. And it didn't. And it, but it didn't. <laughs> It didn't get any kind of re- response. Like, it didn't I, get any sort of a sexual response. Meow, meow. Yeah, it wasn't. <laughs> so yeah. it was just like, oh, I don't know what we're kind doing. Funny. Did you ever say, when you meow, should I meow? Right. Or should I be a dog? Or, yeah, or exactly. Or should I be a mouse? A, right. Or eat, eat. <laughs> yeah. Are you chasing me or am I supposed to <gasps> right. chase you? Right. Explained a lot why she would just run into the other room for no cat? reason. Yeah. Are you a hypoallergenic? <laughs> are, I've got allergies. Are you spayed? I don't know. <laughs> what Do I need right. to? Are you spayed the, is a very good question. It's a very good question very in good today's. Question. Yeah. Have you had all your shots? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was just so odd. Well, it was a, it was strange because I had been in long term relationships for so long, <laughs> and this was the first any kind of dating situation where I would call someone and then she would just text me back, and I'm like, "Why? Oh, wow, Do, yeah. Does that mean you don't want to talk? Like, right, it's just right. like, well, it's just the way people communicate, right? Because right. I've been in relationships for so long that it, it sort of it kind of circumvented the whole advent right. of text culture, right? Like the transition in like yeah learning that yeah. language and then eventually i decided maybe i should be dating people who are more age appropriate <laughs> right, and right. in a better place in their but, life and, nothing wrong with her totally fine she was no, very nice no and if she's listening you are you liked the time you it enjoyed it yes and... it was fine but i'm sure you know you look back and you have those bobas where you're like i know what was i i knew <laughs> that that wasn't the thing i should be doing i knew I it know. at the time but i feel like those are important experiences to have and, and you know Anytime I ever, you know, am forced to, like, not give advice, but talk, like, when I'm talking here and listening to young people talk about, like, whether it's their romantic or professional life, life, I'm always like, you should should have experiences. You should date a lot of people. Like, this is the time because you, you can't go back, really. You can't, 
you can't recreate a time when you're, everything around, about your life allowed that. Sure. You know, and yeah, date someone who meow. Like, <laughs> it, it, yeah, and don't regret it. And it's not like you, I, you know, I was going to go to Mars. I, I made the choice between like a really interesting trip to outer space or dating the person that said meow. Right. So it's not like you're like, I didn't, yeah, sacri- I didn't you sacrifice so many yeah. other. So I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's funny later. <laughs> but it's hard. I feel like it's harder. I noticed it was sort of harder to date as I started to get older. Because when you're younger, I just feel like, oh, you know, you, you're just you're on the move all the time. But then I feel like as I started to get older, like, oh, it just, you know, everything means more. Yeah. And so it just, it was hard to kind of be like, oh, it doesn't matter if I don't hear from you for three days right. or it doesn't matter you know like I'm not I don't I don't feel that way right I, I don't know how you're supposed to learn that's why I do think that um, there's a, a time in a person's life where they're they allow maybe without knowing they allow from others what they what they do themselves you sure. know and then you get older and you're like, well, no, my time is kind of valuable. So now I'm going to really think about how I want to spend it because I can't get it back. Right. So now, six or seven years into my dating life, I'm thinking, well, because I could be going to a play tonight or being with friends that I really love or family members. or So I'm going to carve this out and I'm giving it to you. So when you don't treat me well, it actually feels lousy. <laughs> right, right. You know? Or because I liked you enough to say no to all those things in my life that I do like mm-hmm. in the hopes that maybe you'll become one of those other things in my life. And then it's it's just painful. Right. But that's like everything. I feel like the stakes just get higher in life. Oh, yeah. The older you are, the more you care about things, the more time you've invested in everything. It just – everything matters more. Yeah, because when you're 24 – you're just a time millionaire. Whereas, like, <laughs> right. oh, yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Who fucking cares? Exactly. You got all the runway in the world. Yeah. You know, and it just it obviously when you feel that so, that you have that you might there might be a scarcity of something, then it becomes more precious, mm-hmm. and you want to make sure that you give pay more attention to it and foster it better. But I think that's good, though. I think that's good. I was actually was it Neil Tyson? I don't know. I was having a conversation with someone about like. How it, how our personalities would change if we were immortal and time was disposable, wow. and what types of choices we would make, and how and would we even really be able to survive technically? Because you would just never be motivated. You know, would you never be motivated to do anything if you didn't feel? I think it's so interesting. That would take like you would then that would kind of separate the disciplined from the not. Like you'd almost have to create. So, wait, my question about this is, if you're living in this reality where there's no, right? Well, I think you can... I think Do you this, know there was? I think in this situation, you can, you can be killed, you just don't naturally die. Right, there's not like an order, a light, like an or like right. a... a, a right. That thing. Yes. Right. So So I could be like, yeah, I dated so, this girl who me out for like a century <laughs> and it wouldn't matter. Right. But then here's the other thing. Do okay, so if you if you know you can be killed, <laughs> yeah. And 
And other than that, you will just continue to live. Do you know there was a – do you know this is – do you think of this as unique? Like are you – do you have information that there was a time right. when there was time? That would change things. Because then if you are somebody who knows that, you might actually be able to be productive with your time because you would might think like, well, you know, there was a time, guys, where you died. Right. So it'd just be so interesting to see like – Who's disciplined with with all the freedom? Right. Yeah, I don't know. I just got how weird. I don't know. I want that. Even it sounds spooky. It sounds spooky, but I think it also, I think it also illustrates that it's important to know that you will lose things because if you don't, if you didn't, then it would just be like, eh, right, whatever. I wonder know. what like how anything has value. I, I don't know. I think that's the, that was our sticking point of like what would have value to you if. It didn't seem like you could really lose anything. Right. And what age are you? Um, I don't – well, yeah, that's a good question too. I guess it depends on are you are you an immortal 80-year-old? Right. Or are you an immortal – boy, this is the exact plot line of a Twilight Zone episode I watched the other night. Were you a Twilight Zone fan? <laughs> um, no, no, because your parents didn't like Yeah, I mean it. later in life I would watch it. It kind of – it's chilly. It's always left me a little chilly. It's my favorite. I know it's really great. It's indisputably great. My brothers went crazy for it. it but it, it, there is a, my husband there, too. There's a guy who he's lived for two thousand years. He can be killed, but he's just kind of had this blessed existence where he and so the, the he's dating this woman and her father's like seventy five years old and he's like I want to be immortal too and he's like well you're you know do you in this state is this really how right, you want right, to right. you know. It's lonely. And so how old is this guy? He's this 2000. He's he's in his 30s. Mid 40s. Right, okay. He's in his mid 40s. And uh mid 40s are like 50 or, you know. And uh and the thing that he says is like, well, it's just very isolating. It's very lonely and Right. everyone else dies, but I don't die. Right, and, right. You know. And then he ultimately gets killed by an elderly lady that was his wife at one point. It was like, I'm not going to let you do this to anybody else, you see. And then she shoots him <laughs> and then he just turns into dust and that's that's the end. Yeah. So, you know, it's got to have the great Twilight Zone twist <laughs> at the end. Did you did you ever think you wanted to do more horror or sci-fi or no, kind of no weird interest stuff? In it. No, none. Not as a viewer, as a reader. Um, if you talked about that for much longer, I might have gone away. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in my head, because like, there's so much I have to do today. You just described so high school for me. I might have like um, taken care of some if we had a party in high that school. I know I need to get done. <laughs> um, I just never was drawn to it. I don't. I I always was like, oh, the, everybody around me was reading like the Lord of the Rings, and I just found it, like, emotionally impossible. Like, I had no – Star Wars I saw because um, we were – I was doing The Sound of Music on the road with my family, and we were in, um, I think, in Indiana when that movie opened, and it was so hot, and it was an air-conditioned theater, so I was like, yeah, I'll go, because it was, like, sure. shelter, like, great. But I have no – I've never seen any of the other ones – I don't have any in like if you ask I don't uh, comic book movies or you know comic book villains and you know good versus evil I've just no in, I don't know none. So how about this? How about <clears throat> this is this is a podcast that you could do from this day forward. 
I'll just come describe these movies to you on the podcast. Okay. And then you can just drift off. <laughs> and then it'll just be like your inner monologue of all the stuff you're thinking about while I'm explaining to you who Grand yeah. Moff Tarkin is or who. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think that'd be really fun. Okay. Um, that sounds great. <laughs> that sounds like a, like a very productive so a way to get like a lot done. <laughs> you could get so much done in your yeah. head. Well, I... Did I? Am I correct? And did I understand this correctly? That when Darren Star sent you Sex and City, you're like, I don't know if I want to do a television show. Like, were you worried about the? That feels like a bigger commitment than I wanted. Than um, I want to do. Yeah, I mean, initially, I, I, I think I was less concerned initially than when it was actually going to be picked up. I mean, I, there were things that that I was like thoughtful about when I first met with him. Um, but he disavowed me of like any of that immediately. Like any of that stuff, he he just swiped right away. And 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 I I loved that part. I I I knew I knew when I finished that script that it was good. Just the last moment alone, I was like, "Holy cow! There's there's some there's a lot here." Um, but then when then I did the pilot, and I just forgot about it. I. You know, it wasn't like I did a pilot for ABC and everyone's like, when are the upfronts and the thing? Right. And there's a schedule and everybody's like, you know, counting down to when you're going to hear from the network. That just didn't – I just did a pilot and went on and um, and then I ran into this woman on the street and she said to me, a woman I knew, and she was like, oh, I saw your show. And I was like, what show? She's like, Sex and City. I was like, what? She's like, did you, you did a pilot, right? And I was like, oh, right. Yeah, I did a pilot. And she's like, it's really good. And I was like, I have not seen it. I've never, I don't, I don't, I, I, all right. And I didn't see it. And then they told me it got picked up. And I was like, gosh, you know, I, I don't know if I want to do it. I was like, I'm concerned. I don't want to, I think I was just thought, oh, Oh, am I going to do this for seven years? And then that's what it's going to be. And the last time I'd done a television series was out in Los Angeles. And then, you know, I drove on the lot every day. And then the guy was at the gate. And he was so nice. He'd be like, morning, Scotty. Morning, Sarah Jessica. And then I go to the thing. And I park my car. And I do the thing. And then I, and then I finish. And then I go back home. And then <laughs> Too I, structured? It just felt like I was someone was stepping on my chest. Like sure. I was like, I think I was oxygen <laughs> in describing it. And, um, and I just was afraid. And then I... You know, I talked to my agents, and I, and they were, and and you know, HBO at that time was so smart. They were like, "Well, what 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 are you worried about? Like, tell us." And I was like, "I'm worried about, you know, maybe it won't be. I won't want to always be here." And they were like, "Well, just you know." And, and there were a couple other things, and we're like, "Well, let's talk about that and fix that, and let's fix that." And I, I was given like I, I there was nothing else. To, there was no other objection, and so I went to the set the first day and. I'll never forget, I, I walked to work that day because the location was really close to my house. And it was at a Banana Republic on uh, on Bleecker and 6th Avenue. And uh, I, I walked in, and I and I think Timothy Oliphant was working that first day, maybe. And uh, I uh, never looked back. It was, you know, 10, 12 of the greatest, happiest, most interesting, fulfilling, challenging, wonderful years of my entire life. And so I'm grateful to everybody around me who was like... <laughs> Simmer down now. <laughs> Just hold on. Well, the voice of the show 
Because initially it was a, there were a lot of confessionals. Yeah, right? so it was like was, yeah, we tried was, some stuff. Like and people, was, like, people talking good. about their. So were you like construction work, like toxic yeah, bachelor? Exactly. And like, yeah, exactly. I mean, what's wrong with objectifying women? I always find <laughs> my friends and I dig it, and we find a lot of interesting women that way, right, Bill? <laughs> I was like, oh, they wanted me to talk to the camera and the pilot, too. And I was like, I only knew one man who'd ever talked well to a camera, and that was a man I happened to be married to. And I don't want to try to right. do that. Like, I just am like, it's like improvising. You know, I, I, there are six people who do it well on camera. As oh, you're actors. talking about Ferris Bueller. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, which started a whole trend. They're like talking to, you know. That. But it's a really incredibly difficult thing to do. Like, it's really hard to do well. It's really hard to figure it out and make sense of it. It's a p- very peculiar thing, especially if you're like, you're like a, you know, I was like a legit actor, you know, right. my friend. And there was a fourth wall and like our whole lives, <laughs> you just don't break the fourth wall. <laughs> and it felt like a conceit that was ill-conceived and right. I could understand the narration which even that I was like we have to be so thoughtful because then it looks like we didn't get our job done on camera like we ran out of money right so now we gotta go back in there and be like oh my god what you didn't see it's not like you're. it's not like in the sound of music and turn the audience and go I wonder how they're gonna get out of Germany now how are we gonna get out of here you guys <laughs> exactly but they 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 quickly saw that that was we got we got Oh, we quickly got over me speaking to the camera, but the, the the testimonials those were a lot of the first season. I don't remember before how soon we rid ourselves of that. I don't remember, but yeah, we did that. And did you feel pretty locked in right away? Like I know who this character is, and I feel like I mean, did you feel connected to her right away, or did it take a little time? I I never felt connected to her. Um, I'm always like cur- yeah. conjoined. I loved her. I the more I played her, the more I understood her, the more I could learn lines easily because I knew what she would say. Right. Like it, but I never connected with her. I just loved her. Like I, like a friend is really different than I am in every way. I always say the only thing that was the same and now that this new character is like we all look alike that's the only thing that is the same between like Carrie Bradshaw and Sarah Jessica Parker look alike right that's it and we both have enormous affection for the city in which we live that's it but that's what I loved was like she was different she was so different every choice she made the life she led in that city that I love how she lived in it who she chose to live in with it, you know, within it, her relationship to money, to men, to friendships, to clothing, to reading, to, to indulgence, to debauchery, to bad behavior. Like everything was different, which was like amazing. Yeah. Because basically someone's saying to you, you are under contract to behave poorly, <laughs> you know, to kiss all those men smoke a lot, run around in clothing you would never have the courage to wear in your own life. Right. You know, make mistakes, but make big, grand, sweeping mistakes. Like, every gesture was big and luscious and, you know, it's fantastic. But it was, it's, 
you know, it's so it was such a groundbreaking show in terms of um and I, cause I remember when it came out and it it's a show that if it had been four guys, people would be like, yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. but the fact that it was the fact that it was sort of making a statement of like, yeah, there's this sort of weird archetype <laughs> in Hollywood for the, the these types of stories and we're going to kind of smash that and say, "Hey, uh uh, we do this stuff too, yeah. and that's okay. You know, did you feel the weight of that as you got into the show at all? No, no. I think we always felt so separate from uh, any machinery. Like it was still, you know, New York wasn't super busy then, and we were always, we were always kind of counter to the traditional schedule, shooting wise broadcast wise and we always felt and sometimes to our detriment that we were really outsiders and that we were you know not considered and rogue and um but 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 there was some honor in that that I think we actually secretly liked you know like I don't know we never we didn't listen to a lot of outside conversations about us we we really were just working so hard for so long and we loved it. And I think the only thing that happened that kind of like penetrated in a way that changed things was like eventually it was just really hard. Although we didn't change us, it it was became very hard to shoot on the streets. Like we would just sure. – there would just be hundreds and hundreds of – hundreds and hundreds of people literally every place we went. Like – blocks and police barricades and but you don't want to go inside because of that you want it like the whole that show breathed so much right air of you know like you had to be out in the streets and it just became logistically incredibly complicated for us to get our trucks and our trailers and our crew in there because before we would just pop in and out we just you know shoot move shoot move shoot and so i started you know you can't not recognize that there's this other thing um, yeah, that's true. Your set is the city you live in. Yeah, basically, and you don't want to be absent from it and go interior. You know, like divorce. Like we wanted to be interior a lot. We wanted, but we, which you know, we actually don't want it so much in the future <laughs> because of time and environment and seasons. But so that I think played it messed it, it. It didn't mess with me, but it was hard to concentrate. Like you'd be on the set doing some things were blithe and easy and souffle like. You know, walk and talks with the you know, with the ladies. But there were also, like, really, you know, the deeper we got into the show, the more complicated Carrie's life. You know, just constantly, just, you know, paparazzi, hundreds of freaking paparazzi right at the lens because there was no laws, you sure. know. So the lens, but you're meant to be walking toward often, as Carrie does, <laughs> on either side is surrounded by oh, paparazzi. <laughs> like, sometimes you'd say, like, please, guys, can you just not shoot while we're doing this scene where I'm screaming it big or tears are streaming down my You know what I mean? Like, right. And spoiler. Like, we want to keep this part of the plot. Like, we had to shoot two and three different versions of the movie, the oh first movie, God. on the street. You know, like make stuff up like Michael was like oh, I don't know what I was like I don't know maybe I'll this time we'd have to you know just cause I we, we liked the idea of like don't read the last page first you know <laughs> and also you probably you can't take two steps without people telling you who is what character in their friend group yeah that part I like I mean that's nice that's 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 okay 10 it was 12 12 years is that counting the movies I think yeah we started in 90 uh 
92? I mean, it, 90, wait, no, 97? We did, wait, 97? Oh, I can't remember. Anybody? I don't know. I have no idea. We did, we were on the air until 2002. So we shot in 97. We started shooting in 97, and we did the last movie in 2010. I mean, that's like keeping a, that's like keeping a band together, yeah. basically. Which, you know, and, and these are, like, that's a substantial chunk of your life. That is, that yeah. is a substantial percentage of your lifetime. Yeah. So did, how, how did you feel you evolved, and how did everyone, how did the dynamic evolve through all that time? Because people change, and yeah. people get, you know... I mean, I think everybody changed in the way you're supposed to in that period of your life. Like, everybody was having experiences outside work that were changing them. People were having babies. People were getting married. People were getting divorced. And that's just, I'm talking about the on-camera people. Right. Never mind the crew who whose lives were important to us, to me in particular. I mean, well, not me in particular, but I, just, I was on the set every day. So, the, so that crew, um, everything happened. I mean... As you know, you 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 you've been around people, you work with people, and um, you know. I think we were. I, I would describe it. It's like much more even complicated than than sisters. It's it's a completely other sort of man made thing. Mm-hmm. It's like a lake that gets poured, and then the lake starts growing its own things. Mm-hmm. And so we were a man-made sorority, right? That were allegedly very reliant on each other. On like that's our stories, right? Like these were four women who were good friends, honor-bound friends, loved each other. Um, so then, at a point, like you love them, and you don't always like them, but you always love them. You feel, you know, protective of what other people think about it and say about it you know it's um it's it's a really long and big experience and um i think for the most part everybody kind of handled it well in their own way i mean it's it's hard to process i think it's hard to process success even small success like you have to be equipped for it and you have to understand it and put it in perspective and know where it lives and what it actually means and that's a lot but these were some fairly mature women who were luckily at a point in their lives where they could do it but everybody does it differently and it was interesting I think more than anything to sort of I mean Ina knows because she was a big part of that was like why are you guys asking us about if we spent time together this weekend and you're not asking the guys at Sopranos. Right. Like, of course we didn't. We just spent 90 hours together. Of course we're not going to be together on the weekend (laughs) because Cynthia has three children and I have a son or I have eight siblings and friends that I haven't seen outside work, dear friends of 20 and 30 years, you know? And why are you guys monitoring our off-camera? Why are you, you know... Why do you think that was? We are women. They just wanted it to be bad, nasty. They didn't want – because I think it's like this sort of age-old, like Byzantine, I like fighting with – I don't know. Right. It was too hard to imagine that it was real, you know, and um, and – 
I, I, I don't know. It, bo- it confounded me constantly. And then you like actually defend it. They're like, did you? Get-? I would in Germany, and they'd be like. Did you buy her a uh, Christmas present? And I was like, Did I what? Did I what? Did I buy? I don't, God, I don't remember. No, actually, was I didn't it, buy her a Christmas was present. Was more than five hundred? Yeah, exactly. Like, I was what like, do you give the shit? I was like, actually, no. I <laughs> we're not together on Christmas. I, I, so you hate each other? Yeah, no, exactly. you. I was what like, are you wait doing? a minute, you're making this what impossible. Well, it's all just tablet. You know, it's like the the crazy the tablet thing to me is so comical because it's essentially a reality show that no one has technically agreed to <laughs> right, right. where it's just this kind of like well if you get into this business and you know and people sort of treat you like well you you, you can fucking complain about that it means you're successful what's right, your problem like, right well i'm still a person yeah. i don't think anyone wants to be represented falsely right, or manipulated right. that still doesn't and then you know, you're like well uh, i remember these paparazzi i was trying to have this really like really chill very like deep conversation with them and i was like but you know these are my children and there's times it's appropriate it's not and i and i you're a celebrity i was like no i'm actually and and not that it matters to you but like when i became an actor there was this did not exist so number one it didn't exist and number two (laughs) i didn't i had no interest i didn't become an actor to be famous i came became an actor because i saw really great actors around me and i wanted to to be good enough to be among them. I wanted to be a working actor. Didn't want to be rich. Never thought about money. Didn't want to be a celebrity. I didn't know what a celebrity was. No one ever used the word celebrity. I guess I must have known the word famous, like maybe like the Olympic athletes, like, you know, Nadia Comaneci. It's like she was right. famous to me or right. Olga Corbett or, yeah, you know, the gentleman on the news. Uh, you know, I don't know. Like a politician was famous to me, a ballet dancer. I never knew anybody who wanted to pursue a work to be famous. Like, that wasn't that. Do you know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. So, if I try to explain this to people, I'm like, well, no. They're like, well, you became an actor. I was like, no, I, you just have no frame of reference. Right. You have no interest or curiosity about the world prior to the last seven years. Right. Like, trust me, there's a whole group of people who just want to do good work. Yeah. Now, I'm not going to complain about the fact that you have to take my picture on that, but, you know. Well, but at a certain point, I don't think anyone likes being treated like a prop. I mean, you know, like, I think people do understand, well, this is part of the thing. And, you know, it does means it means you're doing well and that people are interested in all that. But, you know, at the same time. I mean, that doesn't mean you should be denied humanity. Right. You know, hey, look, she looks really upset over there. (laughs) I know. Or it's like, or they put up, or they put up a picture where someone caught you mid-yawn. It's like (laughs) meltdown. Like I was just (laughs) fucking yawning. It wasn't a where you're like, "Ah," you know, because you're just like one. I mean, it's just that 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 part of it just feels like I don't know. That seems. I think if I think if most people experienced it, I think they would go, oh. Oh, that's why that kind of sucks sometimes. Yeah, Because yeah. no one, on a very basic human level, no one wants to be misunderstood or no one wants to be misrepresented, or no like matter even, what you have. And there are other little things about it that are interesting. Like if you come out of a, like if say if you're in a women's bathroom, right, you wouldn't be, I don't think. But or, I, it all would right. not be a good idea. So, but then you would walk out of the stall, and then there'd be a person that'd be like, "Can I have a picture?" Like, <laughs> like, well, I mean, I, I haven't even washed my like. Like it's so weird, you know, or just well, other times that I'm. You, sort of struck by, you know, and then I, or like dawn, like a flight in the dawn, and someone comes walking down the aisle, and they lean down really close. I'm like, would you mind 
terribly if we took a bunch of you freaking I mean you'd be like I haven't slept in days I have a stitch of makeup on I didn't bother covering a zit like why no but, I, but I, sometimes I think about it. do you want your photograph taken right now right. oh no those kids haven't slept in weeks I was like exactly well it's... when we both get sleep let me know and I owe you you fortunately have never been in a situation where you're at a urinal and a guy <laughs> next to you is at a urinal like Hey, can I take a picture? I'm like, oh well, oh maybe God. not. I, first of all, don't don't even look at me right now because I can't finish what I'm doing until you Stop don't looking. look at me anymore. Right, right, right. And please don't talk to me right now. <laughs> That's the only time where I'm like, <gasps> yeah, that, that that part's weird. But any other time, I'm totally you know. But I but I think it's you know it is also a testament to you being really good at your job where people do feel like. Hey, I'm watching a documentary, or this is my. These are my friends. I'm just watching these home movies right. of my friends, and so they feel very comfortable. They're like, "Well, right. Carrie, you know, of course you could go up to Carrie on the right." Like, and I so. want them to feel that I'm a, an approachable person, and I, you know, I feel like I am in great debt to a lot of the people that approach me. In a way, like we have this exchange, and they gave they gave a lot, you know, and so it, it's not a blanket resistance at all it's just there are certain times especially when i'm with my children that i would prefer to just be their parents yeah protect them know? from it yeah. i think that's a fair yeah I, I i saw something in one of the tabloids that was so vile it legitimately made me want to go in and like like i'm mad as hell and i'm not gonna take right. but it was like comparing celebrity kids as fashion <gasps> was like Oh, you can't! Yeah. Oh, that's—it oh was it's almost ridiculous. like a who wore it better. Like, Come did, on. was it Surrey Cruz or this other? It's so vile. Wow! Like, don't really? They're kids. They didn't choose. I, I mean, I to... remember. Yeah, no, totally. I forgot. I remember that um, Matthew came home. I don't remember when this was or how it was because he never reads anything. But like, apparently, a bunch of people were making fun of um, making fun of our daughters' names, and I was like, "What? Why would you do that?" And I was like. Why would you make fun? Who cares? Like, what? <laughs> Wait, what? The names Tabitha and Loretta are so controversial. It's <laughs> so outrageous. Like, and I, how dare you? Right. How I don't understand the world and the picture. This was seven years ago. That was an. Those were innocent times. Upon reflection, sure. Like we thought we had sunk as low as we possibly could. Right. And now. It's like looking at the bush ears. You're like, I, like, you're like <laughs> your head, like, uh, like a beautiful, soft focus now. <laughs> like the good old days. Is 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 Matthew aware that there is a theory? And I'm. I feel like we need to take credit for it on this podcast. Oh wow! I have a theory. Yeah. That Ferris Bueller does not exist. If you go back and watch Ferris Bueller's Day Off and yeah. imagine that he is Cameron Fry's Tyler Durden, that he is a he is a projection of a person that Cameron Fry wow that's amazing wants to be it completely changes that's amazing it completely changes the movie wow Cameron is the great young actor what's his name Edward Norton what do you no, mean no no Cameron wait you mean his friend in the movie Fight Cameron Club. yeah what's his that's that great actor oh he's so good. Oh, oh, you mean who plays Cameron? Yeah. Yes, yeah, that's Alan Got Ruck. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I so so Cameron Club. is a ma- 
this is Cameron's story. Cameron is is Ed Norton from Fight Club, basically, and he's oh, what? he's having this mental breakdown oh, well, now in the you're movie. Way ahead of me, I don't know. I've never seen Fight Club. Okay, so in Fight Club. Brett, and this is a spoiler alert, but if you haven't seen the movie in the last 20 years, fuck you. Uh, not you. I mean the audience for getting yeah. mad at spoilers. Because they'll go, how could you spoil that? Right. I'm like, because you've had two decades to watch it. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but in the movie, like, Edward Norton meets this guy, and it's Brad Pitt, and he's this sexy, mysterious guy, and he talks him into starting this club. Like, how do you know who you are unless you're getting a fight with someone? And so they start this fight club, and, and, and then Ed, Brad Pitt's character keeps spinning more and more out of control, and it takes him down this darker path, and then you find out that Brad Pitt never existed in the entire movie. He was a projection wow. of Edward Norton's psyche, which kind of breaks in the movie. And so when you meet Cameron Fry, he's in his bed. He's a hypochondriac. He has an oppressive father. He's super fucked up. So I Whoa. think Ferris Bueller does not actually exist. I think it's amazing. And I I, 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 would, I will ask Matthew. I, I don't know that he's given it. He's going to be like, what the fuck? He's not mentioned it to me, but it's not like <laughs> we talk a lot about. Why would you be embedded? What, like, yeah. Hey, I don't think my character was <laughs> yeah. real. Anyway. Or, or that he would like be privy to any conversations about that might sure. exist out in the world about, sure. you know. Um, but I will ask him, and I will absolutely let you know. But I think that's really um, interesting, like actually really interesting. It's just kind of a fun way it's to go back and watch It's just a fantasy because it's, yeah. it's like, yeah, because it's creating the person that Cameron always want, couldn't be. Who made you take out my car? Right. It was my friend. Yeah, exactly. My crazy friend exactly. who's perfect in every way. Do you know Michael Patrick King? Uh, yeah, we've met. You, you're so much. Doesn't he remind you of Michael Patrick so much? Really? Oh yeah, so much. Yeah, we're, I wouldn't really know each other oh, very well, but we've interesting. met. Interesting, surprising. Yeah, we've absolutely met. Is it all the weird theories on pop culture? No, because he hasn't doesn't have those theories. He has other theories about things, but not as much about pop pop culture. But I don't know what reminds me of. But I, I don't say that. I've never said that before. This, this could be part of the I podcast said. that we do in the future. I will bore the shit out of you with theories. Okay, like that's fine too. Jessica Fletcher committed every murder and murder she wrote, but that's an entirely separate. Oh, oh, that's really interesting too. Well, how, who are you, are you going to tell me that in a small town in Maine, <laughs> there's in, that many murders going on? Yeah, in twelve or fifteen seasons, whatever, it was like four hundred <laughs> murders. This woman is just near right. the entire series is a, a reflect. It's just her in prison. And her narcissism can't cope, cope with the fact that she's committed all the murders, so she's just pinning them on like, oh, Tom Bosley did it or right, whatever, you know? Right, right, You know, so it's, yeah, so she's, yeah, she committed all the murders. I used to say, I used to wonder if, if, if um, Samantha, Charlotte, and Miranda were real. <sighs> that, that wasn't just her column. Oh, that blows that it's my mind. all her column. That blows my mind. Because otherwise, because there's such perfectly archetypal characters, the sure. other three. So you're you're writing you're writing a column about sexual politics and you know observations of female male primarily, right? Heterosexual relationships. So you're picking one type. You're saying like this type is this and this, and then you just complicate it more, like any good writer does. So I'm not entirely sure they're actually real. Oh, that is fantastic. So are they mental projections of her? Or are they just invented characters? I think they're invented, invented types, oh and that God. she is among them because that's her way of infiltrating story and affecting story too. So she also wants to have her own actions affect those friendships, affect their and and document their response. 
that is a spectacular way to go back and watch that many seasons of the show. <laughs> None of them are. They're all, they're they're all made you, up. Do you think they're in her head or she? It, it was just a literary tool to help her column? In other words, is she... Do you think she's psychotic? Like, no, she, I think it's a literary It's just a conceit. literary thing. It's all literary yeah. conceit. Yeah. Where's Samantha? She'll be here. I, you just missed her. You just missed her. Where, where's Charlotte? Oh, she Well, we don't know her. if any of that stuff that happened is real. Because she's just dictating She's just writing it. it. Oh, she just writes a column each week, right? Oh, my God. So we don't know... Then, then we illustrate it for the audience. We illustrate this column for the audience. We're not necessarily illustrating the column for... The column, uh, what, we, what we are seeing isn't necessarily what happened in New York City to mm-hmm. real people that they were bumping into. That's just That's a very well-embroidered story. I cannot wait to tell my mom that story who legit <laughs> named her cat Mr. Big. <laughs> <laughs> legit. And whenever and she, and she says it so sincerely. Well, I have to take Mr. Big. I'm like, would you please? You <laughs> would just call the kid Chris Noth. Call the cat oh, Chris Noth. Like that would be fine. Would be but sweet. Mr. Big oh is God, just such a strange. Hilarious. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Big, I have to get him fixed. He's meow. Okay, fine. Meow, meow, meow. <laughs> Did I date this cat? I feel like I dated this cat. So what? What was the decision to go back to television for divorce? Um. Well, originally, about four years ago, I came to Allison Benson, sitting over there, my partner at Pretty Matches Productions, <laughs> and she runs Pretty Matches, and I, I came to her, and I don't even remember the original conversation, but basically I just said, you know, I'm really interested in in, a, in an affair, basically, and an affair in a marriage, and and that I... I was in, I wanted very much to explore marriages working in all sorts of different ways and that at a certain point in your life you're experiencing a long-term relationship differently than you had in the beginning and and we just we were interested in it HBO was very enthusiastic about this idea in general and we sort of as you do went through various stages of development and thought we had something and it just kind of never as they say it just like couldn't get across the the footlights you know mm-hmm. like it just but HBO I'm thrilled remained enthusiastic about the idea and eventually they put us together with a few writers one of whom was Sharon and Allison and I went to meet Sharon Horgan and at this point it had been made clear to me that there was the expectation that I would be in this at, at early on I was just we were just developing this as we do among many other things we're developing and I wasn't it wasn't for me I was just interested in the story as a producer so by the time we met Sharon um, I was already assuming that I was going to play the part of the you know this the female part of this couple telling the story and we met Sharon and we were really excited about what she was interested in and she was excited about the things that were of interest to us and and in particular she was really wanted to explore divorce and we were you know, very excited that, that that sort of that idea could integrate into the you know the areas that um, that I was just very curious about, and so she went off and she wrote the pilot, and um, we did it. And I think um, I think what happened is I I I couldn't say no to this story. I didn't imagine that I would be 
telling it. I just was so... I felt it was such interesting and important material. And um, by the time I was asked to consider, I I didn't really want anyone else to have the opportunity. Like mm-hmm. I couldn't give... I couldn't turn it over because I felt much like in the beginning with Sex and the City that there's just so much to be said. It's so rich. It promises so much. And much like Sex and the City, everybody's story of their relationship is different in a marriage, you know. And your search for love, all of our, those are different. But I think even if Francis's story isn't yours, I think these themes of you know, wanting to figure out who you are and reckoning and looking back and deciding about your future and having complicated relationships with adults. Those are all things that I think are interesting and can be funny and amusing and painful. And um, I just decided I was willing to, you know, my family was comfortable with me being gone and making this kind of investment in, in time and energy is, you know, it takes an enormous amount to do it, to produce television and produce it well. And I just thought, yeah, this is the one. It's here. Interesting to hear you. It was almost like a, a, it's almost like you had this scientific approach. Like I'm interested in exploring this idea and you're using art to explore the scientific theory about what happens with these people. So mm-hmm. do you feel like, you're actually learning – are you learning mm-hmm. what you set out to learn throughout the process of the show? I think we learned a lot about – I think we learned a lot about divorce that surprised us. I, I, I don't necessarily mean, you know, what the law dictates and, and the role the law plays in divorce. But I think the thing that surprised me most about, about divorce and – um is that I think we we always think of divorce as this this um, desire to be away from this other party, right? It's this you are trying to untangle yourself, <clears throat> and what I discovered is you need the other person to get divorced. Like it's the craziest <laughs> thing in the world. It's a team building exercise. It is like you <laughs> need to find a way to communicate, to cooperate, to be civilized, to be decent, to be honorable to be principled and especially when you're factoring in children and and finances now maybe really really rich people can get divorced without communicating but for the majority of people in this country and I'm sure other countries as, as well people don't come equipped like experts at divorce most people do it once it's really complicated it's painful it's difficult it's costly there is huge collateral damage. Some people come out of it triumphant. Some people feel like it completely undid them. Some of the children are destroyed and it's impossible for them to recover and relationships are, you know, um, forever fractured. And other people feel completely liberated and they're finally their best selves and their children are thriving. And the same with relationships and affairs, you know. People, we all know, I mean, you must know so many people who have contemplated affairs had the affair. The affair didn't hurt the marriage. The affair did hurt the marriage. They're better for it. They're worse off. You know, their friends think they're unprincipled. Their friends rooted for them. Like it's, there's so much when you are really in a deep long-term relationship that is interesting and surprising. And I think when it's real people who are surrounded by what we assume is like a, a heroic middle-class reality, 
which I say not in a demeaning way. I say right. it like with a huge amount of admiration for making it all work every day. It's really something different. So I guess what I've learned is that you need the other person. It really – it shocked me. And that smart people do stupid things all the time. Oh, yeah, because emotions are dumb. Yeah. And <laughs> good parents become bad – like it's – there's – it's just so hard to do it right, you know. It's it, it it asks a huge amount of people, and like I said, most people just aren't good at it because they've not done it before. Well, I will wa- I will watch your show with my <laughs> brand new life. Oh wow! And I don't mean brand new like the latest one. I just mean like <laughs> recently married. <laughs> recently married. How long yeah. are you married? Um. What's the date today? A month? Five oh, weeks? Oh, wow. Five weeks? Yeah. Oh, wow. Should he watch? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Honey, I think we should really watch a show. It's called Divorce. No, I think it's good. It's just, a, it's like, it's like the literary fiction space. It's like that. Like, it's like a really well-told, like Cheever didn't, wasn't absent when we were thinking about this in some way. Right. Even though it's not a 50s, you know. But it's Thomas Hayden Church, right? Thomas Hayden who's Church, great. who's unbelievable and everything you wanted to be, and Molly Shannon, and Talia Balsam, and Tracy Letts, and everybody and you. is just. I'm around a bit. Yeah. <laughs> but everybody is just at their finest. I described it as like being on like uh, like the seniors' golf tour. Like when you're playing with the best, like everybody's right. just so freaking well oiled. Right. You know? So. I'm very proud of it. Well, I'm excited. I, it's October 9th? 9th. Now I'm freaked out. There's, there's a debate that night. Is that the second debate? Come on. But you know what, though? I'll tell you why you're... Listen. Oy, oy, oy. It doesn't matter because with HBO... Right. HBO, it doesn't matter because, right. first of all, it just doesn't matter right. people watch at that exact moment. But also, you know, H, one of the things that HBO... One of the many things that HBO did beautifully was... Getting into the digital space yeah. years before everyone else yeah. really thought about doing it. I mean, they understood, like, hey, people don't have to watch us on a television. They just We just want them to watch our shows. So yeah. people will watch on HBO Go I if they watch so. a debate or HBO uh, Now. Or I'm conflicted myself. Or, you, <laughs> or they'll watch half of the debate and be like, this yeah. is painful. And then just... <gasps> I want to see fictional <laughs> painful. watch a show about divorce than watching the... Like, <gasps> Oh my god! So it's just going to be crazy. What are you reading? Is this your? Is this your book? Uh, yeah, I'm reading this. Uh, this is a new Harmon Coke book. It's called Dear Mr. M. Do you know him? I don't know him. No, he's great. Um, he's a Dutch author. He's really good. He's excellent. For any of your listeners, it's an excellent book. He wrote the his, his last book that came out in the states was called The Dinner. It was very controversial. Do you know? Anybody? Why? Why was it controversial? Oh, you read it, yeah. Um, uh, uh, because it was it 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 looked at. Um, parenting and race relations um it was massive massive success in europe before it came to the states and he's just a writer that can really he's a contemporary writer who can really just like touch on stuff but move back from it Mm -hmm. and so lots of feelings and opinions about well this is a very this is is why you're a very well-rounded person it's very hard for me to read fiction because i just feel like i I, I need to be working like i always just feel like oh really yeah 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 but you should yeah. think of it as the necessary and well-earned teeny vacation so that you can create more. You have to allow yourself you have to be able you have to allow yourself the the time to not create so that you can 
observe and see and experience, and then you have more to offer when you're creating. What you're saying is right? 100% true. I don't know how to teach you to do that, I would though. get five pages in that book and be like, what did I just read? Oh, I was thinking about work. You know Right, what I mean? right, like, right. I, well, you're young, so that's probably Man, right what you should be doing. I'm not that young. <laughs> well, you look really young. I appreciate that. <laughs> I'm not that I appreciate that. I'm 22? <laughs> Meow. <laughs> <laughs> I have so enjoyed chatting with you. Thank it was so you nice for of you to come me. and do this. I was thrilled when your name <laughs> came up. I was like, seriously, she wants to do the bio? That's fantastic. Like, I don't know. It was just, it was very Thank nice. Thank you for it having me. It was such a completely enjoyable conversation. I'm so happy to hear that. And also, you were in a sci-fi movie called Mars Attacks, which is a fucking oh, great right. movie. Yeah. I never, did I see it? I don't know if I saw it, but that I love doing. It's great. It, it was I really mean, fun. It was basically just like, because everyone in the movie is amazing. <laughs> it's uh, crazy. And it's, it's just like this gorgeous play. Yeah. You know, it's very theatrical. Yeah. And everyone, you know. It's just and, like so dialed. Like nothing so heightened. is you know, so heightened. It's so crazy. And it was so much fun. And yeah, I, I love doing it. It was nuts. Well, I encourage people to watch Divorce. <laughs> okay. No, thank you. Yes. <laughs> thank you. I do, too. I do, too. October 9th. And then, uh, yeah, yeah, come back whenever you want. Thank you. And uh, if, you, if you do come back, you can let us know if... You know what? I feel like telling someone about a movie they were in, like saying to... Saying to Matthew, like, "Well, here's this Ferris Bueller." He's gonna be like, "I don't care. Why would I care?" You no, know, because like, he he he'll he'll be curious. He'll be he'll that's that's something he won't. Um, no, I think he'll be. Mm. <laughs> how about that? Mm. Anyway, yeah. hey, so maybe um, how about this? Well, we can end the podcast with uh, a, a piece of marriage advice. Maybe if you oh, have wow. any marriage advice, God, I'm you so can loathe throw. To give advice. Um, I, uh, Doesn't even have to be advice. Just even if it's an observation, that's um, still. I, let me think. That's so good. That's excellent question. And or, uh, um, I, I don't know. Do, go. I I liked. I liked. You know. I, I mean. I liked. I learned to like things I didn't think I would ever like because of my husband. I meaning like even something so little and meaningless as like Parmesan Reggiano. <laughs> like I was I did not care for it. I thought it tasted like baby vomit and because I never had any but the kind that you shake out of the craft, you know? And he was like, "What are you talking about?" He's like, "Just try it." And I was like, "I don't want to I don't want to eat vom- like I <laughs> But I thought, you know what? This is important to him. Mm-hmm. So, and and now I love Parmesan Reggiano. See, that's a perfect bit of advice. But also colors. Like he would talk about colors and have ideas about literally about colors, like colors on a wall. Or, and I was like, I God, I never thought about colors. Or he's a whistler, and I wasn't really a whistler, but I love whistling now. Like, there's things like you... Stepping outside your comfort zone. But also, I think it's not just that. It's like, really, not just theoretically liking something that's different about somebody, but actually finding a way to integrate it. Like, is it possible? Yeah. That's fun. That's a that great... Because that can last a lifetime. That's a great... Listen, it's, you know, things are either in two states. They're either growing or mm-hmm. they're dying. And how, what a great way to continue your own personal evolution than to sort of grow with someone else. I think that's a great bit of advice. And I think that's so cool. You're right. Exactly. Like marriage is 
is this organism. It's just it. What why I think it's interesting and why I want to do the show and why what you just said is it's true is that it's not. It's in a constant state of change. Like it just simply is. There's no period. Yeah, at the end of the sentence, like there right. is no. It's a run-on sentence. Right. And it should be. And um, and everything that means like grammatically incorrect, like prepositional phrase in the wrong place, like fights and thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so it's good that you think of it that way. And I I wish you a lot of adventure. And well, I appreciate um, that. And and uh, yeah, and memories. Well, because I think there's a I think there's sort of this flawed idea that that the that the marriage is well that's the goal line, and then that's it. You don't ever have right. to try again, or you don't. You know, it's just like, well, kick off the shoes. Yeah, you know what I mean, it's like yeah. it's sort of like the king of queensing of our country. It's like, right. oh, you just like, you yeah. know, you just kind of don't. And now you ignore anymore, and then it's a cool, you know, right? It's like right. You ignore your partner. I'm like, well, right. no, it's everything. You know, everything needs to be cultivated. Yeah, it's really nice to to think the way you're thinking. I think, and that gives you a. That gives you a real shot at it. Well, it's just because I waited until I was older to get married. If I were younger, that totally would I would I don't think I would have had the the capacity to right. appreciate that. Right, and and um, yeah, and so you guys have a real uh, you have a real chance. Well, thank you so much, Sarah Jessica Parker. <laughs> My uh, to everyone, enjoy your burrito. The end. <laughs> we did it. Enjoy your burrito. Now leaving nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 65th National Finals of Distinguished Young Women. Every year, one girl from every state leaves her family, her whole life behind, for two weeks and spends each day training, practicing, preparing. Because to win this competition, she needs to wow a panel of judges with her academic record, her athletic ability, her speaking skills, and a show-stopping talent. I met her and I was like, she's going to win. I wouldn't say I have an ego problem, but I'm extremely competitive. When I sing that song about being a black woman in America, there's going to be backlash about that. Oh, I'm just so happy. So happy. I don't want to see them. I don't want to talk to them. And then we stayed with them for the next year, unpacking just what happened those two weeks in Mobile. I'm Shimoliai, and from Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery, this is The Competition. Follow The Competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to The Competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.